What is a higher priority to God? The ease of the journey for you and I or his kingdom purpose and plan? I know the answer is rhetorical. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're like, I don't know. Maybe it is the ease and that's why we struggle so often. But if it's his kingdom and it's his plan and his purpose for all of us, then I can see that when my daughter gets diagnosed with something or Rosalind and her daughter Sarah and their, she lost her baby, I can now look back a little bit and go, okay, it's not all about the ease of what we're going to go through, but it's about his kingdom purpose happening inside of each and every one of our lives. In Exodus chapter 13, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this before, but I wanted to point it out real quick because it will help us understand the ways of God. And that's one of the things I hope that I can clearly explain each and every week is just the way of God. Because sometimes we have misperceptions about our God. And misperceptions almost always lead to a wrong expectation of what should happen. So look at Exodus chapter 13. It says these words, And then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Okay, before you read on, I want you just to get the picture. God set us free from Illinois, okay? Let's just all get happy about that. And he's taking us to the beautiful land of Florida, right? That's our destination. He promised us it's a 16-hour drive, maybe 20 or 16 if you're my dad, 20 if you're somebody else. And he's taking us to Florida, okay? And the way to the promised land was through the Mediterranean. Now, we know it takes 16 to 20 hours to, to drive there if we drive straight. They know it's about a nine-day journey. They know it's not far. They know, oh, we can do that. Okay, we have the kids, the grandmas. Hey, it's going to be hard, but we can do this. Jackson, show that picture real quick. And then we're going to go back to this verse, Jackson. You may not be able to see it, but where they were delivered from is here. Where they had to go is right here. The way of, I think it's Haran. It says right here, nine-day journey. <laughs> I want you to see what God did. He took them this way. Okay, so he went to Seattle, then to California, through Texas, and all the way there. Look at this. All the way up there, finally back down there. Now look at this next. We'll go back to that verse in Exodus. Who led them? Okay, they knew that it wasn't too far. And now Moses had to turn the route. Like, what way would we go to Florida if we went on I-80? Or 57, or what do we do? South, okay. So now we're going north, okay? And everybody says, why in the world would we go north if we're trying to go to Florida? And it says, although that was near, for God said... Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war. Now he knows, I'm God. If God be for them, who can be against them? Like they're going to be fine, but lest they see it and they return back to a place that they hated. Because they feel like, you know what, it would be better to go back there than to go off and fight war. Because maybe our kids are going to die, some of our aunties and uncles are going to die. Whatever it is, they would fear the war and they would return. Now, he's never spoken any of this to anybody. This is a narrative. And it says, so God led the people around, where? By the way of the wilderness, of the Red Sea. 
And the children of Israel went up in their orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. I want you to go back to that picture, Jackson. I just want you to see this for a moment because this may look like your life. But I want you to think for a moment as they now went through the wilderness, the questions that started to be going in their mind, like, oh, why are we going this route? Like, this is, not, this is not even easy. Like, this is not the easiest route. The easiest route is right up the Mediterranean, but they're going to go this route because God has a different plan. He wants to reveal who he is to them. He wants to be the source of everything that they would ever need, and he wants to reveal who they are to him. And so what consistently happens is they're brought into difficult places. And so in God's kingdom, reaching the destination is secondary. It's not the primary intention of God. The primary purpose is our development and our what? Intimacy. Would you say intimacy, please? This is vital because this is the place where God says, man, I'm a shelter that I want you to run into. I'm who I want to be for you. I, like, I want you to draw close to me. And so often we go through this path and go through this life and we're asking God, why would you do this to me? Do you think that creates intimacy? Not at all. Because we're so fixated on where we want to get to. We're so fixated on getting to the destination or to the promise. Like, why did God promise this? Then why don't I see it in my life? And so we're so caught up in the promise that he spoke that we miss out on the opportunity to be intimate with our Father throughout the entire process. And this will be the difference between the attitude on how you approach this journey. Because God longs for each of us to have an experiential, vibrant, ongoing relationship with all of us. In order for that to happen, transformation is the key. And this is why it's so in, God is so interested in getting Egypt or this orphan-minded spirit out of all of us. And then he's developing all of us into a people who would rather, listen to this, who would rather have the desert with God than Egypt without God. That you would rather be okay with the desert or the wilderness route because you know God is with me. That you're okay with a valley because you don't have to fear because God is where? With you. That you would rather have his route with him and his presence by you than actually go your route with knowing God's not in it. And how easy it is to buy into how we get or how we want to get to where we want to go. So God is bringing us into a place where our old life and the longings of our past are no longer controlling our affections. Because it's all about relationship with him and him defining us and no one else. I want to make that, say that again. He wants to define us as his chosen, holy, special, separated people and nobody else. Not your job, not your parents, not your achievements, not your accolades, and certainly not your past. No one gets to define who you are except your Father. It's Him. He wants to define us because we are His, we are chosen, we are royal, we are holy, and we are special. Amen? And He is bringing us, listen to this, He is bringing us face to face with who He is for us and our lack of trust. How many have ever been there before where you just... Don't feel like you're trusting fully. Lack of trust is evident 
in a discontentedness, that's not how you say it, (laughs) of your present situation. In other words, I want to encourage all of you to check your complaining meter. Even if you have to, put a jar on the counter and every time you complain about something, put a quarter in there. It will give you a good picture of how often we look at our present life situation and what comes out is, I don't like this, I don't want this, I don't want to be this, and so we'll complain about this in hopes that we can have something better. He took the Israelites' word to the first thing was the Red Sea. I mean, this is before, like, this is like the gun shut off and they all started running and they're like into their first half of the mile. They're like, oh, this is stupid. Can you imagine if a marathon runner was like that, like 26 miles, and he's at 0.5 miles? He's like, this is dumb. What are we doing this for? He's not going to have a good 25 and a half more miles, is he? And so at the Red Sea, they complained, and he said, would you just take us out here to die? Look at the waters. But God led them there, and how many times do we get to a place where there's a sea in front of us, and we know there is no natural possible chance that we're going to get across this. And we also know that somebody's pursuing us. And so what do we do? We get fearful and we start to complain. And we start to ask God, why did you lead me here? Rather than say, God, okay, I'm in this moment. The sea is in in front of me and I can't go past it. I know my enemies are coming at me. God, who do you want to be for me right now? It changes everything. It changes literally everything because now you realize the journey is about development and intimacy. It's not about getting past the Red Sea. And as the Red Sea parted, what happened is he brought them to a place where they were thirsty and they were hungry. What happened? He brought them to a place where the waters were what? Bitter. And again, they complained and said, God, why did you bring us out here to die? This is after they rejoiced and they sang and they had music playing because God delivered them and all the Egyptian army was killed in the waters. How many of us have been there? Sunday morning, we were rejoicing, we're excited, we're like, oh wow, this is, God is doing something special, and then Tuesday comes along. And we're like, God, where are you? And then what happened? They were hungry and thirsty, and God provided for them, but they started to complain. And then they complained about Moses, like, Moses, where are you taking me? I can only imagine what he said. I have no idea, guys, okay? (laughs) Like, I totally don't get it either. And then giants in the land, they complained about that. And so many of us at times were like the people of Israel because we lose sight of who God is and what he's attempting to accomplish inside of our lives. Look at this verse from Psalms chapter 106. It says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies. And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, you saved them for your name's sake that you might make your mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also and it dried up, so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. Verse 10. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them. He redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left Then they believed his words, and they sang his praises. And then look at verse 13. And they soon what? 
You know, we sing that song at different times, do it again. I hope this morning somehow that the Holy Spirit would take my words and remind you that he's done it before and he will do it again. That he's taken you through some difficulties and challenges and trials, but there's certain things that he has spoken over your life. There's certain things that he has promised you. Don't forget what he did before. And they did not what? They did not wait. They forgot the works that he did and they did not wait for his counsel, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. They tested God in the desert and he gave them the request. I must say, I will always be bewildered about this by God, but I do come to appreciate there is a place in our life, there is a path in our life that is not necessarily from God, but because we want it and 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 we want it. He gives it to us, but it wasn't for us. And it never leads to satisfaction, to fruitfulness, or to fulfillment. Eventually, it brings us right back to where? A place where he goes, just me and you again. And it's not his punishment. Like there's no punishment in any of this. It's all, it's all filtered with his love. But at the end of the day, he gave them the request, but he sent leanness into their soul. And as we're going along this journey, I want you to remember and never forget that God is always good. I know you've heard me say this many, many times in the last number of months, but he's always good. You can put that on the screen, Jackson. He always has your best in mind. And he's always setting you up to succeed in him. It's the one thing that I remind myself of most often. God, I know you're always good. I may not understand. I may not fully even embrace what it is you're taking me through. But I know you're always good. I know you always have my best in mind. And that you're setting me up to succeed in what you've called me to do. Actually, I do want to read this passage. Let's do Psalms 103. I want you to see this. I was debating whether or not I'd put up there. But he made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And I want you to see this about your father as you're going through this journey. I know these are just words. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this has to be him revealing this to you. Words do nothing except give us information. But God is the one who reveals who he truly is. And it says these words, The Lord is merciful. And he's gracious, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, praise God, nor punished, it, punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. God is not Mr. Frustrated. He's not the one who's angry or anxious toward you on this journey. He is actively involved in all of our situations, every single one of you. From an outsider's perspective, you can go, man, I don't see God anywhere in that person's life. But when you realize who he is, you realize he's engaged. That when we choose our own path, and many of us have done so, and we have consequences, and we have collateral damage as a result, he was always there. And he wasn't having a whip on us. He was pretty much just saying, uh, are you ready to do it my way? Because I, I, I see that this is not going to be fun. We know it as parents. 
I have not been to that place yet where I know my daughter has the ability to make decisions that are outside of my control. But when she does, I realize I'm going to look at that and go, man, she doesn't see it. She doesn't realize that friend's not good for her. She doesn't realize that she's finding her identity in that. And that's hard, but at the end of the day, we realize God is merciful and slow to anger and long-suffering. And he's inviting each and every one of us into a deeper level of intimacy and greater trust. He wants you to know him and not just know about him. Just recently, and I I say this without any um, uh, judgment or opinion, but somebody at a men's meeting said, we just need to stand on the word. And I just remember the Lord whispering in my ear, no, we need to stand in him, in me. It's different, isn't it? One puts us over here and I'm just going to hold on. The other goes, God, I need you to hold on to me. 